Our passage this morning is in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like the stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Thank you. Good morning. It's uh, really good to be here again. Um, The summer has flown by for us and... uh, this is the last Sunday we'll actually be here with you. Uh, then we're moving on to some family things and, and then heading back to the Middle East. But we are really thankful this week that uh, you all sent us up to Garden Valley, the global outreach workers, with Asher and the team that served us. And uh, what, a, what a refreshing time. So thank you. Uh, Melissa and I were, were challenged and humbled as we listened to the other workers to what's going on in their hearts uh, regarding their their families and their ministries. And we were strengthened uh, to pray for each other and to be prayed for. It was a great demonstration, that retreat, of just the church being united for the gospel. Um, We are those who go, but we were sent up there and served, and it was a beautiful picture. Uh, Today, this is what we're talking about, a church united for the gospel in the world. This passage, which, was, which we're looking at today, is the end of a section that begins in chapter 1, verse 27, where Paul urges the Philippians to uh, live a life worthy of the gospel. Uh, we need to put in our minds first that all these commands and all these instructions are plural. It's you all. Uh, our daughter goes to school in Texas, and we never thought this would happen, but she's begun to say y'all. If there's a group of people, y'all. And, you know, if there, if there are groups of people, it's all y'all. So I know there are many groups of ministry at Cole. So all y'all live a life worthy of the gospel. This is what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, and we, we might say, well, <clears throat> of course we live uh, according to the gospel. I mean, we heard the gospel. We believed. We were saved. But um, this is only the beginning Uh, Paul is expressing what Jesus wants. He wants us to live worthy of that gospel together as citizens, worthy citizens uh, in his kingdom, to live out the reality of new life in Christ together and to live this gospel every day. The gospel is the new paradigm in which we, it's our new reality. It's the way in which we live. Um, 
And, you know, there were things that were hindering this in the Philippian church. Uh, one was, uh, was unity. They were, there was disunity uh, bubbling up. Disagreements and arguments and divisions. The other was fear from the outside. There, they were, there, there had been a lot of opposition. And, uh, well, the church was birthed in persecution, wasn't it? when Paul and Silas were put in jail. Um, but they were becoming afraid of these things. Uh, so he wants them to overcome this. And this is why he begins that section, live a life worthy of the gospel. And he mentions the gospel six times in chapter one. And then he uh, goes and he talks about Jesus. And he says, you have this mind, have this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus who humbled himself, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross, and then was exalted above every name. He says, "This have this mind, think this way about life, about, about your, your, your presence in the world, about the, the church and what it's about. Think about it in the way that Christ did. Have this mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You can think this way, because you have, you've been given this, this mind in Christ. You are in Christ. And now you can live it out. You know, the head directs the body. The mind directs the actions. We as a body need to uh, think in a gospel mindset. A gospel mindset. Because we have the God-given ability to be like Christ in the world. And so he says, therefore, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Therefore, because you are in Christ, because you know him who was obedient to death, even death on a cross, and was glorified, you have the same way of thinking. It's yours. Therefore, obey. Grow in obedience. Grow in obedience to Christ. Now, some, for some of us, just talking about obedience is uncomfortable. Maybe not for us in the first service. We're a bit older. We used to talk about this kind of thing. Parents taught us to obey, and if, if we didn't obey, there was shame associated with it. And that was, that was okay. It was, but um, obedience can, be, can just stir up in us feelings of, um, of, of fear almost, because maybe we had in our life someone who um, was an uncaring authority who gave us unreasonable demands that we were unable to meet. We just couldn't do it. And Jesus, though, is different, much different than this. Jesus says in John 15, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So Jesus is the most loving authority we could ever have. Greater love has no one than this. And he has the most reasonable demands. 
He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And not only that, he helps us as a friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. Friends help each other out to do the hard thing. So he is much different than any other authority. He is worthy to be obeyed. And Paul acknowledges to the Philippian church, you know, you are obeying. You have been obeying with me not there. And you don't need me there to obey Jesus. You know him. So what had they been doing? Well, we know that the Philippian church had been um, partnering with Paul. He says that they had been praying for him. Uh, In chapter 4, he says they had been supporting him financially. They are obeying Christ. There is this gospel obedience. They They are living out some things. They are meeting together in fellowship. Um, that's maybe a lot of fellowship. That's why these uh, arguments are coming up and these disagreements. They're spending a lot of time together, but that's a good thing. They, are, uh, they have a witness in the community. Um, the, 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 the city of Philippi, the, the authorities or whoever, uh, recognizes them as, as a group of people who has a message counter to the culture And so they are persecuting and opposing them. But it's a good thing that they're bearing witness in the community. The Philippian church is a a hospitable church, too. It's it's a church that hosts other people. And we see Epaphrodites, who has been there and is going back, Timothy. Uh, But you get the idea that people are coming and going. So this is a hospitable church. These are good things. They are obeying. But he said, there is so much more. You need to grow in your obedience to Christ. There's so much more that you as a church can do together uh, for God's glory in the name of Jesus. You know, we see um, coming here in the summer, it's, it's really interesting. We just come and are plunked, plucked, plunked down uh, for a few weeks and we see coal. And it's amazing when you come in from the outside and just come into this fellowship it's amazing to see what is going on. I mean, you are caring for, for people, for, for needy people. Uh, you are serving the children. You are um, praying and sending money to global outreach workers and even preparing new workers to go out. You're helping refugees in this community. And so many more things that we don't see. And so we are doing well. I think we need to hear that. The church is doing well. Philippi, you are obeying. Praise the Lord. I mean, who, who could bring about these things? Who could do this with this group of people but Jesus Christ himself? But he says there's so much more. There's so much more growth in obedience to Christ that we can experience together. How do we grow? He says... Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We grow in obedience to Jesus by working with God in us. That's a mystery. It's a real mystery, but it's it's the truth and the reality of the gospel that God is now in us. It doesn't mean that we need to work harder harder. 
or be afraid that we aren't saved, you know, work, keep working and working and working so that we can make sure that we arrive at the gates of heaven. No, it doesn't mean that. Paul said you're not saved by works, you're saved by grace. But it does mean that we need to live out the life that Jesus has achieved for us by dying to our sin and being raised to righteousness in him. We need to live this out or work this out. Uh, really interesting, the word for work is sounds like energy in Greek. And then working it out or working it through, there's a, a prefix put on it to the same energy to work it through. So God provides the energy and we work it through. We, we, we work it out. We, we let him uh, work through us, if you will. But we have to, to take a role in that. And we have to come together in this. This is what he wants to do. Our uh, daughter and, and son-in-law are musicians. And they were born with some level of natural talent, like many musicians. But they practice individually. And then they practice with their, the members of their orchestra to come together and to, to put together a beautiful sounding concert. And this is how we are to obey Christ. We've been given the capacities. We've been given the grace. We've been given his energy is available to us. Now we need to work it through together, work out the life of Jesus. So how am I connected to the body of Christ? What, what group am I a part of? How is, how is Jesus working out his life through me in concert with other people? Well, we need to live out our salvation in fear and trembling. Again, it doesn't mean that we should be afraid we're going to blow it. Not at all. But it does mean that, that Jesus is a person, a leader, the Lord, to be feared. We just uh, confessed that he will come back and he will judge the living and the dead. He is, he is the judge. He is to be feared. He's a loving judge. He's a judge who gave up his life for us. But he's, he's the highest authority that we submit to. But he's so good. He's so good. And he's so worthy to be worshipped. He has the name that is above every name. And he is worthy of that. He deserves that. He deserves that because he was fully submitted to the Father, fully glorifying the Father, not himself. He deserves our loyalty and our worship. That's a type of fear and trembling. We don't fear that we aren't going to do the right thing. We are in awe of him awe of him and we say Lord Jesus what do you want to do through us guide us and show us for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose and again this is this is the mystery how does this work that his energy his motivation his strength works through us and we work it out well Jesus promised the Holy Spirit didn't he he said the Spirit will come and he will 
uh, remind you of everything I have taught you and he will he will bring to remembrance and he will teach you things that you need to know. The Holy Spirit will help us as our teacher to understand what the will of God is. He will give us that. Paul prays for the Colossians. He says, I pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. But that is so that you may live or walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You may be filled with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding that you may then walk it out. You may act. So the spirit fills us with his knowledge of his will. He wills, but then we will. We agree when we come to know the knowledge of his will. We agree. We also want that. And he he works in us and then we work. He acts and then we we walk, we act. Um, I guess a good illustration of this would be somewhat like a dance. Uh, what, what do you do in a dance? Um, or what, what did we used to do in a dance? You know, we used to look into each other's eyes and we didn't go over the instructions now. Uh, you know, I'm going to take two steps back and then step to the side and, you know, remember that. And yeah, you just look into each other's eyes and, and, and I move and then you move. Uh, you turn, then I turn. We work together. We, we flow together in this. And this is kind of how it works in the Spirit. We are dancing with the Holy Spirit, if you will, as a group. We're, saying, we're just looking at Him. And as we come to understand what He wants, we say, yeah, we want that too. And where He's leading, we say, we're going to. We're going to do that with you. When I'm home in the summer, I meet, I meet with a small group of men in Boise. And what I noticed is each of, each of us has a walk with the Holy Spirit. Each of us is, is being affected and influenced by the word. The Spirit is speaking to us. So when we come together, um, someone will share a verse or something that he's learning. The other men will will resonate with that say yeah maybe somebody else will bring up another verse another idea that the holy spirit has given them of the knowledge of the will of god and and we all are edified and we all are encouraged to to press on to walk further with the holy spirit but see there's this corporate aspect of it that's so important the spirit works with us together in galatians when he says walk by the spirit it's like we're walking in, 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 a, in a line, in a march, together. It's a united walk with the Holy Spirit. And this makes the Father, this pleases the Father. He does this in us for His good purposes. He is pleased for His pleasure, uh, some uh, versions say. He is pleased when we dance with the Holy Spirit. He is pleased when we when we honor His Son and follow Him. He is pleased when we're becoming more like Jesus. And it is His good purpose to do this in us. So we can grow 
in obedience to Jesus Christ, uh, by God working in us, or working with God in us, to shine forth his gospel in the world. Verses 14 and 15, he says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Do everything without grumbling. Why did he have to bring up grumbling? He's always bringing up stuff like this. Why does he have to bring up? Because this gets to the very heart of the gospel, of gospel faith. When we grumble, are we believing really? These these thoughts are together probably refer back to or allude back to Israel grumbling against God and and Moses in the desert. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, when Israel did this, then they were destroyed by the destroyer, God himself. And Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. When his people grumble, it says in Psalms 95, their hearts went astray. See, they they weren't believing, they weren't trusting him. And they had not known his ways. They didn't really want to walk in the way that he was leading them. They weren't believing God or trusting him that he would do what he said he would do and deliver them. Well, what are we tempted to grumble about? Um, you can fill in the blank for yourself. I have a list of uh, things that come up. But the Holy Spirit's been teaching me also, when I, when I start to even think these things, before I say them and, and grumble in front of other people, he's teaching me that when I begin to think this way, to pray for the person, to pray blessing on the person, to ask God to anoint our relationship and have it be a relationship of the light of the gospel. And so I'm, lear- I'm learning this myself. Uh, but we need to also grow in this together. When we get together in our groups, what do we talk about? It might be interesting sometime just to appoint a group secretary and, and that person just records all the things that we talk about and then make copies and hand it out. It's really interesting. It's, it's our normal. It's our natural, uh, natural bent, you might say. But he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. If we really believe that God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, as Jesus believed when he was obedient to death, even death on a cross, that God is working out good for him, If we really believe that, we wouldn't grumble. But if we are grumbling, how can others, how can we call others to trust and believe our God is good? He said, don't do this so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. The word of life is the word that gives life, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just the presentation of the basic truths of the gospel, but the way of living 
the relationship we have with him, we want to invite others into this. That he was humble to the point that he became obedient to death on a cross and that he was exalted. And we want to live this way and tell others and show others this in order that they might find that they can die to sin also and be born again to eternal life. So the gospel will shine through us. The word of life will be like like a torch that we hold up and others can see their way. But if we are complaining and arguing, again, back to that, what is the difference between our life and the world's that is warped and crooked? I mean, they complain about everything. If we're complaining, we're just, we're just like them. What, what difference does our gospel make? It's not really good news in that case. It, it's just our opinion. Because they don't see good in it. Where's the good in our gospel? It's just our opinion. You know, you like beer and you like sports. And I like Jesus and going to church. Okay, fine. You know, we can, we can deal with that. They don't see evidence of life in our word of life. We need to be blameless and pure by not grumbling or arguing so that we can shine like lights in this warped and crooked generation. Jesus said, You all are the light of the world. Let your common light, I'm I'm adding words here, let your common light shine before men that they may see your corporate good works and glorify your spiritual family's Father in heaven. You all together are the light of the world. Let your common light shine before men that they may see your corporate good works and glorify your spiritual family's Father in heaven. He's working in all of us to purify us at a deeper level so that our life proclaims the gospel both individually and corporately. And this will ring true in the ears of unbelievers. Well, again, I, I look at coal and I say, praise the Lord. The gospel influence at coal is significant. It really is. But Paul is saying here, dear friends, Do all things without grumbling or arguing and you will shine the light of the gospel more brightly in the dark world. Like we heard last week from Alan, there's more to be done. There's more to be done. There's more that coal can do. Not just in in other countries, here in the valley, here in, in these neighborhoods. Dear friends, Paul would say, shine the light more brightly by stopping you're grumbling and complaining or arguing. And this is for joy until Christ returns. This is the, the, the path of joy until Christ returns. As we grow in obedience to Christ by working with God in us, we will together shine forth the light of the gospel and the result will be joy now and forever. And Paul says, and then... I will be able to boast in the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Paul is looking forward to that day when Christ will return and he will test each one's ministry. Like he talks about in 1 Corinthians three thirteen and 14. And 
and to those who who have built with with precious things and gold and silver and and the truth and the way of living in Christ for those who have built that way or worked that way with God in them they will receive a reward but for the others their works will be burnt up and they will escape they will barely escape with with nothing with nothing to be proud about nothing to boast and this is what we can boast in is 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 pleasing our lord not just doing our own good works but him working in us giving him the glory uh giving him the offering wanting so desperately for others to follow him to value him and to trust him that they can know him that they can be also they can enter into this joy well what brings the greatest joy to anyone who disciples whether you are teaching sunday school or a growth group or you're you're meeting with a small group or or your own kids or grandkids what what brings joy in that isn't it that when they when those persons become more like jesus and you begin to see fruits of the spirit in them or more fruits of the spirit of course that's what we're that's what we that's why we want to give serve other people and give uh, our time and our efforts and and love and we love them but we want to see christ uh growing in them the spirit of christ more and more active in their lives But he says even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith I am glad and rejoice with you all so you too should be glad and rejoice with me Paul is facing impending death and he has this picture of the the sacrifice in the temple and they would take a bottle of wine and pour it out on the sacrifice before it was burnt And Paul is thinking, I'm like that bottle of wine. I am being poured out on the sacrifice on on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. Well, if I read that as the Philippians, I'd say that's a that's a sobering thought because Paul is being poured out. He's not he may not be with us much longer. But I read carefully and I say, "Wait a minute." The wine is being poured out on a sacrifice. That's us. That's us too. This is the way of Christ. Again, this is the the mind that he gives us. The way of living that accepts death for his name's sake. That accepts these things that the world gives us. Opposition. It accepts these things because it is a sacrifice for him it is what he does it is actually his life in us that is enabling us to do this so the philippians can have joy as well that uh even with this threat of persecution hanging over their heads they can rejoice that they are united by god's power to proclaim the gospel to live it out in their society and the gospel is the power of god to salvation for anyone who believes But Jesus wants the world, the communities we live in to see it and to hear it. And so Cole Community Church, I think you would say grow in your 
corporate obedience to Christ by God working in us, by God working in us to shine forth the gospel in the world for joy until Christ returns. Before leaving Jordan to come back to Boise this year, a Syrian man invited us and a few others who were serving refugees from the church in Mufraq to his house for a meal. The church there I've mentioned before has a program where they visit refugees and they give them aid and basically they do a lot of listening of the stories and sometimes we are able to help them in other ways, making connections. The church has also been offering some different classes for people to develop. And this man had prepared a delicious meal on his rooftop just after sunset for us. Now, he was, he's a trained, uh, a trained chef, and uh, it was a lovely meal. And we're on this roof. You know, the Middle Eastern roofs are flat. And the, just after sunset is a really cool time to be up there and enjoy fellowship. This is a neat thing that they do. But he told us as a refugee that he wanted his family to live as close to his hometown as possible. So that's why they settled in Mufraq. Mufraq is about 10 miles from the border. Well, their hometown was yet another 50 miles in in Syria. But he wanted to be there because he felt this connection with his home. And he said, I can come up on my roof at night and if I, if I pause and just take a deep breath, I, I can smell faint scents of my home, my home back in Syria. And he said, sometimes I call my daughter and I say, go up on the roof, on your roof. She's back in that city and look this way towards Mufraq. Do you see me? Very sweet, very sweet man. But he had taken a photography course. There was a professional photographer that came over and just volunteered several weeks of an intensive photography course. And this, this man had told the story of Jesus healing the ten lepers and how only one came back to thank him. And so our Syrian friend said he had invited us and the other gospel workers from the church to his house home that evening to have a meal with his family, which was a Thanksgiving meal. He said, I'm, I'm saying thank you. I'm saying thank you to you, and I'm saying thank you to Jesus, because he, he has good people. The joy that we derived from that was, well, you can tell it was very significant. And this is the kind of joy that we all can experience as we grow in obedience to Christ, as we grow in God's power working through us, as our community sees Christ in us and sees the light of his gospel shining through us, and as others turn to to Christ to be saved from their life of sin and death, they will live this life of joy in him with us. This is my prayer for us as individuals, Um, my wife and I, as we go back to the Middle East, This is my prayer for all of you. So let's pray together. Before I pray, I just want to ask, how will you respond to this this teaching of Paul? Is there something that he said that you need to act on and you will 
act on to grow in obedience to Christ with other believers. Father, I give you praise today for your word. I give you praise for your Holy Spirit that enlightens our hearts, shows us the path uh, of Christ and the joy of Christ in walking that path. And I praise you that you have brought us together as the body of Christ, that we might, we might learn how to be in, in concert with one another as we dance with your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to do that. Help us to grow, to shine more brightly for your glory, for the glory of the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.